0: Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the testimony of Mark Tinsley, the lawyer who represented the family of Mallory Beach in their claim for Beach's wrongful death against the Murdoch family, as part of an in-camera hearing before Judge Clifton Newman, so that the court may determine the admissibility of evidence of the defendant's financial crimes in his murder trial. In this installment, we review the testimony of Alex Murdoch's former law partner, Ronnie Crosby, as part of that same in-camera hearing. We also present Judge Clifton Newman's decision on whether all or some of this financial crime's evidence should be admitted. That's all coming up right after the break. It is the morning of February 6th, 2023, day 9 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, defense attorney Philip Barber sought to challenge the witness Mark Tinsley's assessment that Alex Murdoch faced a day of reckoning for his financial crimes caused by the discovery motions that Tinsley made on behalf of the Beach family and Prosecutor Creighton Waters used his redirect examination to allow the witness to offer additional testimony supporting his assessment. As we begin today, Creighton Waters calls a final witness in the in-camera hearing, Ronnie Crosby, a former law partner of the defendant. Mr. Crosby is a clean-shaven man in his 50s, sporting short blonde hair. He wears a navy blue suit, a white dress shirt, and a light blue patterned tie. Waters begins his direct examination by asking the witness about his professional relationship with the defendant.
2: Tell the court what your profession is and
3: where you work. I am a, an attorney at practicing law with the Parker Law Group.
2: and are you a uh, former law partner of the defendant Doek Murdoch? I am.
3: you see him in the courtroom here? I do. And where is he sitting? He is sitting between Mr. Griffin and Mr. Harpootley at the defense table. And
2: again, this is an in-camera hearing, so you understand I'm not exploring everything that might, depending on the judge's ruling, be before uh, jury. But I do want to explore a particular meeting. Uh, were you present for a meeting with, uh, in which the defendant spoke on June tenth, twenty 2021? I was. And at this particular meeting, uh, can you
3: tell who was present. I'm not going to swear that I don't miss somebody because it was a, a a fluid event. My recollection is um it would have been late morning, midday that we gathered at ellick's brother John Marvin's place which is not very far from Alameda that you've been talking about and um I know I had been by to see Mr. Randolph that morning. There was going to be a meeting uh with law enforcement. They had given um Ellick a couple of days before they were meeting with him and so we gathered there i was present mark ball was present lee cope was present john marvin was present at some point i believe uh i don't remember exactly when buster arrived jim griffin uh arrived at some point and i want to say corey fleming was there and there could have been could have been others
2: all right while that uh, that group of people were assembled, did the defendant and I don't want to get into the content, but the defendant make any statements uh, about what had happened on the night of june seventh twenty twenty
3: one he did We were there as friends we had been with him every starting the night of the murders every day, and we were there for support and and he went over the events of that. Afternoon or that evening starting from the time he got home from work until the discovery of Paula Maggie Where was this uh, discussion taking place? Was it inside outside? We were in in John's house there I, I guess I don't know if he calls it a house or a hunting lodge But we were inside but largely I mean there were some in and out of the house as well but the majority we were all sitting in a room together and I was doing more listening than talking.
2: And uh, were these the, the statements being made by the defendant? Were they made, be made being made quietly to his counsel, or were they may be made openly to all the people in the room?
3: Well, the statements that I heard obviously were being for me to hear them. I was not overhearing a conversation that was private between Mr. Griffin and uh, Mr. Murdock. They they did have some private conversations that rest of us were not privy to, but. So, so there's a mixture of that.
2: But there were private conversations that you don't know what they were because you weren't privy to
3: those, correct? Correct. And this was before, I believe, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division agents arrived on uh, at this location.
2: To be clear for the court, uh, you didn't at other times, aside from this meeting uh, or this discussion, have conversations with Alec about his activities the night of June 7th, 2021.
3: they were outside of this, is that correct? Well, that's correct. I mean, obviously, we all uh, were in shock, but also wanted to try to find out what all had went on because we, you know, as we got past that that night of June 7th and the morning of June 8th, we're all, you know, trying to to help find out what had happened and, 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 you know, who may have been a potential uh, suspect.
4: But
2: in the, uh, this investigation and in preparation, you were instructed to stay away from those until that, uh, from that meeting as opposed to the other ones that weren't in that meeting out of an abundance of caution until we could get guidance from the court as to whether or not those in any way were protected. Is that correct?
3: That, that's correct. I mean, I, we had multiple conversations, as you might expect, all of us in, in, a, in a group, and, and it may be pieces and parts, but what you and I have discussed up until now outside of what was discussed on June 10th at
0: John Marvin's house.
2: Your Honor, I don't believe I have anything further for purposes of this, uh, Now,
0: With that, Prosecutor Creighton Waters concludes his direct examination of Mr. Crosby. Jim Griffin rises for a brief cross-examination of the witness.
5: Crosby, I I believe Danny Henderson
3: was also there. Yeah, uh, I I told you I might miss one, but Danny was there. I don't think Danny was there at first, but he ultimately
0: uh, arrived. Danny Henderson was a partner in the PMPED law firm in which Alex Murdoch and the witness were partners. Jeannie Seckinger previously testified that in September of 2021, Henderson and the defendant's brother, Randy Murdoch, also a partner in the firm, confronted Alex with evidence of his financial crimes, and Alex admitted his guilt to them.
5: And the meeting had been scheduled so that Alex and others, brother Randy, uh for one, and John Marvin and Buster could um, be interviewed by SLED. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. The purpose was to uh, that SLED had scheduled a time, and I don't know who scheduled it with, and and you're correct, Randy was there, and it was essentially going over the timeline of the evening of the 7th because knowing that that Ellick was going to be interviewed, and I think Buster was, and and, and maybe Randy and John Marvin um, over the course of that afternoon.
5: Now, you were not scheduled to be interviewed, correct? I was not scheduled to be
3: interviewed. And, and Jim, now that you speak of it, I, I do think that while Mr. Randolph did not come into the meeting, he and whoever brought him over did come by right. the other team that I'd forgotten. Yeah, and. And then went back to Alameda. Where he died
5: within hours of that, I think.
3: He died as we were leaving or right after we left this meeting with law enforcement. We were on our way back to and
5: got randy got a call did did you sit in any of the interviews with conducted by sled in in the car i did not um and lee cope was there and he was not to be interviewed right that's not why he was present
3: we were there as uh friends uh to provide support and and listen and 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 mark ball also is present mark was and, and and i know mark had some meetings with law enforcement about some concerns that he had, not, uh, you know, about potential suspects.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
0: Defense attorney Jim Griffin continues his cross-examination of Ronnie Crosby by asking the witness if he gave legal advice to Alex Murdoch during the June 10th meeting.
5: You recall whether you and or Mark and Lee had given Alex some advice about how, whether he needed to have a lawyer that the, um, this interview. I
3: don't remember that specifically, but uh, knowing that you were already involved, I mean, I, it, any of us would have thought it was a good idea.
5: Do you know whether Alec considered you and Mark and Lee, as well as Danny and Corey, as, you know, as his counsel that day? I mean, do you know what he was thinking?
3: I don't know what he was thinking, but he never approached me as his lawyer or throughout this. I, I, I
5: never had the perception that I was representing him. Well, did, did you or in, or in your presence, Mark Ball or Lee Cope, make it clear to Alec that, hey, we're, we're not your lawyers here, and if you talk to Jim Griffin in my presence, then there goes the attorney-client privilege. I mean, did you give him that warning?
3: Mr. Griffin, we're all lawyers I don't, uh, other than John and Buster that were there. I don't think anybody needed to say that, and I, it never crossed my mind that when we were sitting in a room and all of us were talking that, we were somehow representing Alec. No, I, I understand that. And nor, nor would I ever do that because I, I don't practice in the area that you do. Right.
5: But it's clear that Danny had an ongoing attorney-client relationship with Alec. Is that right?
3: He did with regard to the uh, boating accident. He was uh, Alec's personal uh, counsel uh, in the, in that.
5: And Danny had sat in the initial interview in the, uh, that was conducted by... Sled Agent Owen and Collin County Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June the 7th. Are you aware of that? Yes, I was aware of that. Okay. And he was representing Alec during that interview, as far as you know.
3: Uh, I, I I don't know. I saw, uh, I mean, I know when Alec got in the car, we felt like one of us sought to sit in there with him, you know, for support because.
5: Well, can you say for certain that whenever you heard conversations uh, from Alec about his recollection of what happened on the seventh that, that there were any non lawyers in the room? And I guess non lawyers have been Buster and John Marvin. I mean, can you say for certain there were no non lawyers in the room? There were you're referring to hearing conversations of, with Alec in the group about what happened on the evening the events of the evening of June the seventh. And my question to you is when when Alec was making these statements, let me make it clear, were they were they just lawyers in the room?
3: I can tell you that John and Buster were there for points of time? Can I tell you who was sitting and where? Their, you know where where their John had walked out. When I heard any specific thing, I, I can't tell you tell you that. I couldn't catalog because I said it was a, l- a little bit fluid. People coming, and going. And, you know, uh, law enforcement arriving outside and uh, people walking out to greet them. I mean, it wasn't like a the sled agents just showed up and it was you know some rigid thing where you walked out. I mean, there was
0: small talk going on with the officers as well. With that, Ronnie Crosby is excused as a witness, and Judge Clifton Newman asks Prosecutor Creighton Waters whether he has anything further to present regarding the subject of the in-camera hearing. Waters responds.
2: This particular issue, uh, no, I know that's a little bit different than the larger issue we've been uh, dealing with, and I'll certainly be happy to argue that further uh, if if the court would like. Um, As far as the larger issues, one of the things uh, that we, in in discussions with the defense, that we've stayed away from so far in testimony is the side of the road. And that might be the the other piece of the puzzle a little bit that might need some in-camera testimony as as I think all of this through. Uh, I do, and I know that we're butting up with the jury being here shortly. Uh, but uh, that could
4: be at a later time. Yes, sir. In, anything further on this issue regarding evidence of other crimes? Aside from the side of the road, not not at this time, right really. uh, Do you have other witnesses to present on any other issue at this time?
2: No, sir. Other than I, I had a summary witness for the side of the road, but uh, you know,
0: that, that would be it. Waters' remark about the, quote, side of the road is a reference to the incident where Alex Murdoch survived a gunshot wound to the head and fabricated a story about being shot by a passerby. This again
2: for in-camera proceedings before your honor to get a, a handle on all of the uh, the sort of the uh, 404 stuff that we're talking about. No, that would be it. that side of the road. I'm
4: going to take a break of about five minutes, and I will um, announce my decision regarding this other evidence.
0: After the break, Judge Newman relays his decision to the courtroom.
4: This issue is before me on the motion of the state to admit evidence pursuant to Rule 404B of the South Carolina Rules of Evidence and also under the theory of race, jest uh, of course, the defendant is on trial for uh, murder of his wife and son, uh, and over the course of the past several days we have conducted an extensive in-camera hearing. The court has reviewed all of the exhibits submitted and have, and I've considered the testimony of each and every witnesses, and I have uh, concluded that the motion should be granted. Under the law of this state, evidence of other crimes is not admissible to prove the character of the person in order to show action in conformity therewith. An exception, however, exists when the evidence is offered to show motive, identity, the existence of a common scheme or plan, the absence of mistake or accident or intent, and before admitting this evidence, the court must first determine if it's relevant. Our rules de- uh, define relevance as evidence having any tendency to make the existence of any fact that of, is of consequence to the, termination, to the determination of the case more probable or less probable than it it would be without the evidence. After determining relevance, the court must determine if the evidence falls within an exception to Rule 404. In determining if an exception exists, the evidence must be logically relevant to the particular purpose or purposes for which it is sought to be introduced. And this requires the court to analyze whether a logical nexus exists. Evidence is logically relevant when it reasonably tends to prove a material fact and issue. And, of course, the evidence of any other crime offered uh, to be admitted into evidence or proven or testified to must be proven by clear and convincing evidence. Uh, And the court is to conduct and required to conduct an analysis under Rule 403, which weighs the probative value versus the prejudicial effect. According to the state, the nexus is supported by the unusual circumstances of the murders uh, in that the defendant was the last person to see his wife and son alive, uh, and the one who discovered the bodies, all in a relatively short period of time. The state has presented evidence in this in camera hearing, uh, evidence of numerous financial crimes allegedly committed by Mr. Murdoch. The state argues that the logical nexus between the murders and other crimes is that the looming exposure of financial crimes provided motive for the murders and is evidence of malice, an essential element of the crime of murder. On June 7th, the defendant was confronted seven hundred about $792,000 missing from the law firm. Beyond that sum, the state contends that millions of dollars were misappropriated by the defendant and this misappropriation would imminently be exposed. We've heard from the bookkeeper for the law firm, Jean Seckinger, who testified to confronting uh, the defendant on the day of the murders about the missing $792,000 from a case that she that he worked on with attorney Chris Wilson. She she had previously questioned uh, Mr. Murdoch concerning the improper disbursement of fees in the case of the state versus Hirschberger wherein it's alleged that Mr. Murdoch sought to put the fees on the name of his wife, Maggie, to hide them from discovery in the boat case. She testified that the firm conducted a forensic audit, which then documented millions of dollars of misappropriated funds by the defendant, funds that the law firm had to replace. The defendant and his son, Paul, had been sued following the fatal boat crash and the defendant had been served a motion to compel production of his financial information. On the day of the murders, according to the testimony, the defendant was preparing for the motion to compel, which had been set, which was set to convene in three days. we have heard testimony from Jan Malinowski, the president and CEO of Palmetto State Bank, who provided testimony and documentation to millions of dollars owed by the defendant to Palmetto State Bank, all while the defendant was frequently carrying a substantial negative account balances. Michael Gunn, a, a consultant with Forge Consulting, testified that the defendant created a fake bank account using the firm name of Forge. And according to the testimony of Ms. Seckinger, this fake account was used as a main depository for a a substantial, if not most, of the misappropriated funds. We heard testimony from Attorney Chris Wilson about confronting the defendant about the missing $792 and the personal sum to him owed of $192,000 was later discovered. That, uh, that testimony or that confrontation took place on June 7th. Uh, Mr. Murdo later confessed to having stolen those funds along with committing a multitude of other crimes and also claimed to have been be suffering from uh, drug addiction. We heard from Michael Satterfield, who Mr. Murdo according to him represented in a in a lawsuit against himself involving the death of Gloria Satterfield, uh, Michael Satisfield's mother, who was the housekeeper of Mr. Murdoch. He testified that he'd heard of the uh, through the reports that money had been recovered in the case, and when he discussed it with Mr. Murdoch, Mr. Murdoch told him that no money had been recovered and it would take a year or so. Um, it was later revealed that money had been recovered and that a confession of judgment was later issued in the sum of $4,304,000, also received testimony from Mr. Carson Burney from the State Attorney General's Office, who traced funds in and out of the bank account. I find that the jury is entitled to consider whether the apparent desperation of Mr. Murdoch because of his dire financial situation, uh, the threat of being exposed uh, for committing the crimes which he was later charged with resulted in the commission of the alleged crimes. While motive is not a necessary element, the state must prove malice, and evidence of motive may be used to prove it. And in this case, since the identity of the Perpetrator is a critical element that must be proven beyond the reasonable doubt evidence of motive may be used in an attempt to meet that burden. Now, this evidence of other crimes is admissible and it's non-propensatory as it does not suggest to the jury that the defendant has a tendency to commit murder. I specifically find that these other crimes will not lure the jury into declaring guilt on a different ground than the specific charge. Thus, not, thus it is non-propensatory evidence and is supported by state law. Therefore this non-propensatory evidence of other crimes is admissible under Rule 404B and Rule 403 and that the evidence which may be prejudicial, but it's more probative than prejudicial. As to race day, the state alleges that Mr. Murdoch was under an immense pressure after being confronted about the missing fees, the upcoming hearing on the motion to compel his financial information, his dire financial straits, and looming exposure of this criminal activity. And the state contends that that situation led to the, murder of Maggie and Paul Murdoch. Our courts have held that where evidence of other crimes is an integral part of the crime for which a defendant is charged, or it is needed to aid the jury in understanding the context with which the crime occurred, then that evidence is admissible under the theory of race gestae or race gestae as some might pronounce it. I find that the activities and conduct as of the defendant on June 7, 2021, as testified to, is admissible under race jesting, and that this evidence furnishes a part of the context of the alleged crime. It's necessary to the full presentation of the case which the state is entitled, uh, particularly since the state is relying heavily on circumstantial evidence. I find that it is so intimately connected with and explanatory of the crime charged under the theory that the state is seeking to prove that proof of it is essential to complete the story. Our courts have further declared that where the full presentation of the evidence is admissible, that there is no reason to fragmentize the events under inquiry by suppressing parts of the race gestae. Further in state, v. McGee, the court held that where race gestae, evidence of race geste or part of race gestae is properly admitted, then no four oh four B or Lyle analysis is reached. However, as to the finding of admissibility of evidence which I have done and the finding of it within the race chest there, I've nevertheless conducted a rule four hundred four B analysis or Lyle analysis, though not needed. In conclusion, the state's motion to admit the other evidence or evidence of other crimes is admitted. I will file a more formal order granting the state's motion later today.
0: After Judge Clifton Newman rules that evidence of Alex Murdoch's other crimes can be admitted in the trial, defense attorney Jim Griffin rises briefly to request a limiting instruction on such evidence.
5: Your Honor, on on your honor's ruling
4: I don't know that they're getting into the financial
5: stuff immediately but we do have a proposed limiting instruction that we would request the court to give at the time they offer the evidence
4: Yeah, thank you very much and and, um, certainly upon request of the defense the court is required to give a limiting instruction
0: and with that we bring to a close this episode of jury duty the trial of Alex Murdoch
4: a brief program
0: note in the coming episodes, as witnesses who testified as part of the in-camera hearing regarding the defendant's past crimes return to the stand to testify before the jury, we will briefly summarize and review the essence of their testimony, so as to avoid redundancy. If however, there are new revelations or unexpected drama in a witness's testimony before the jury, we will present those moments in their entirety. Please join us on our next installment as the jury returns for the testimony of Michelle Smith, the longtime caregiver for the defendant's mother. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at CrimeStory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.